Hey, dude. Hey, how's it going? My name is Chris. I'm Amy. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Chris and Amy. So first of all, if you guys just want to introduce yourselves, that would be awesome. My name's Ryan Martin, and I am one half of Deus Records. My name is Gibby Miller. I'm the other half. The better half. The <laughs> I don't know about that. What made you guys want to start Deus Records, and where did the name originate from? Me and Gibby had briefly met in Boston in the late 90s. I barely remember it. I know Gibby probably doesn't really remember it, but nope. um, <laughs> everyone was having a really good time back then. Flash forward to about, like I think it was like 2002, me and Gibby kind of reconnected in New York City. We were both like living there at the time. I don't believe Gibby was living across the street from me then. I think Gibby was still, were you still in Brooklyn then? Yeah, I was on like Humboldt, I think. Yeah. And so we had connected through my roommate, this guy, Chaka Malik, and was like, yeah, you should be friends with Gibby. I'm like, oh, I met him years ago and stuff. And we just kind of done that. I don't need yeah, another round. I already know that guy. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah, we kind of like reconnected in sort of just started hanging out again and there was kind of like a funny thing i don't know if gibby remembers saying this to me he was kind of drunk oh come on hold on <laughs> and by kind of drunk i mean like a lot i got introduced to him by the, my friend chaka and chuck was like hey gibby ryan man you guys should like you know you guys definitely should know each other you're into the same kind of music and everything like that gibby completely wasted goes hey man you want to be my best friend <laughs> and, and, and I was literally standing there going, uh, I thought it was just so absurd that someone said that and kind of funny. And so I just go, yeah, man, I'll be your best friend. He goes, all right, cool. I'll hit you up tomorrow, man. We'll like, we'll hang out. We'll, we'll be best friends. Walks out of the bar, like straight up. That all took 10 seconds. Walks out of the bar. I laugh. Sure enough, the next day, Gibby hits me up asking me if I wanted to, I think you want to go to other music, go record shopping or something like that yeah. or go somewhere. I forget. So he kept up on his promise of, yeah, I'll be your best friend, but starting tomorrow. And and he linked up with me tomorrow, the next day. <laughs> when Ryan and I met and started hanging out in St. Louis, a big or not St. Louis, Jesus, wrong city, <laughs> in New York, a big part of our friendship was sort of care packages and trading and stuff. So like when we were in New York, I lived, I ended up living across the street from his apartment with Shaka for quite a while. And then he would like bring over like a cool t-shirt and I would give him like a CD or he would give me like a weird interview DVD or like weird obscure film that were like on these, these like ripped CDRs used to have before like YouTube and stuff. You could like watch rare movies on like ripped CDRs and like video files. And there was a sort of a weird black market for those to find really creepy, weird old horror films and stuff. So we just started like, I don't know, trading stuff, like a bunch of kids that lived across the street from each other. And <laughs> then when I moved to LA, that relationship continued. <laughs> Shortly after landing in L.A., Ryan sent me a bunch of disgusting manga, violent 
I don't. What were these? And <laughs> I, I was. Know, they were so. Gia had given them to me, and I go, oh, I gotta send these to Gibby. They're pretty gross. Yeah, they were great. They were. Yeah. They were <laughs> yeah. And then we just started trading records and um, turning each other onto stuff from living in different cities. The idea for the label came around because um, we were both constantly talking to one another about these obscure re-releases or these these obscure records that we owned or wish we owned and there was a few that sparked sort of the label conversation one was these releases by this band called annabelle's garden that were this german sort of new wave band in the in the late in the late 80s early 90s that i loved and was super obscure and then we also talked a lot about deviation social if there, if ever there was an American throbbing gristle, it was created by this guy Art, who lived in the Bay Area during during the early '80s and had a tape label called Presence. And we wanted to track him down, and we would always just talk about, "Let's do this, let's do that." And I used to write to other labels and be like, "You should reissue this." And then Ryan began working with. I'll let Ryan tell this part because this is sort of where it all came together. You, you should start it when you started working for Genesis and work in arranging all of the stuff in the basement and you found the you found the tape we found that early worm tape yeah, yeah so I um I started working with Genesis Pjorge um about uh, I guess it'd be like 15 years ago or so 16 years ago and it was cataloging uh, her archive that was being acquired by the tape Britain um and so essentially this archive was complete it was just massive kind of out of control took up multiple rooms and was in all these offices of their old art studio and so i was in charge of kind of cataloging it all and kind of making sense of it and you had to catalog it a very specific way to the tate standards and so when i was doing that i came across tons of audio tapes literally thousands of cassettes and a lot of reel-to-reels even reel-to-reel video so it's like video from like 70s um and so i was finding all this really insane stuff and a lot of it was the coom transmissions recordings from the early 70s it's before throbbing gristle and that was kind of my specialty with cataloging the archive my principal interest was coom transmissions because i felt it was uh under documented and there was still a lot of mystery and a lot of holes in and completely story. unheard. Yeah. And the audio was never even really discussed ever. It was mentioned kind of in passing in the in the book, Simon Ford's uh, Records of Civilization. You know, they talk pretty in depth about Coom, but it's still like this kind of like really abstract concept until you get into Throb and Gristle. And so this audio patched a massive hole in what exactly was happening because there was interviews there was kind of happenings uh phone recordings it was kind of all over the place and so then i found this one tape that was genesis's very first recording ever from 1967 or 8 i'm kind of forgetting um late 60s and it was genesis when she was 17 so I guess it'd be 67 and it was called early worm. And this recording was discussed in interviews when people would ask what Jen's first recording that she played on was, they always thought it was uh, throbbing gristles was a second annual report. And Jen was like, Oh, he's like, no, no. 10 years before that, I made an acetate called early worm. There's only one copy and no one's ever heard it. Well, not only did I find the acetate, 
I found the actual reel-to-reel -reel tape that they cut the acetate from, which is in obviously a lot better condition. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if someone put this out? And Genesis was standing there with me and just like, why don't you put it out? And I said, well, you know, I don't have a label or anything. And Jen was like, I didn't have a label when I started Industrial Records. I, you know, I got the, that lecture and um, I mentioned it to Gibby in passing. Like, I find these cool tapes. Jen said, I, you know, she put it out or whatever. Because me and Gibby had kind of, in passing, again, talked about releasing stuff with this, like, Deviation Social stuff that we were fans of and a million other things. And then Gibby kind of hit me up a few days later, woke me up in the morning and was like, we just got to do this. We're going to start a label. I already have a name. And we'll release Early Worm, that tape you found. That'll be our first release. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure. And I went back to bed. And then I actually woke up and Gibby already had everything all set up and everything we we were going. I don't know. <laughs> By everything going, he I think he means like I registered like a URL and like a Discogs page. But I think that was as far as we got that day. You had like a design. You had like an actual like logo to like I went back to sleep and I woke up and there was like a logo design, a website in existence. I was like I was I was motivated. What was it like working from opposite coast? We've never worked any other way. So I actually don't know it. I mean, it must be extremely productive to be able to run a record label from a single coast. I just wouldn't know. I, 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 I <laughs> we have we, no we, idea what we, it's like. We, yeah. I mean, this is all we've ever known. So we supplement whatever FaceTime we don't have with one another with nightly calls that I'm sure Ryan wishes we had fewer of and text <laughs> messages, which I know Ryan wishes we had fewer of and, um, and emails. Uh, and, uh, and we have a very, uh, you know, illustrious labyrinthine network of Google docs and drop boxes that we use to sort of <laughs> make make up for the fact that we can't spin around in our wheelie chairs and see one another in person yeah <laughs> we've kind of figured out a weird system you know once you get in that a routine and you figure out your process and stuff so yeah it's kind of like i don't know what it would be like to be running it in the same room you know he we'd have to put a wall between us if we were yeah. ever on the same coast to just pretend like we didn't see each other that we were far <laughs> when did you know that this was going to work. Is, is it working? Thanks. I don't know. Is Thank it? you so much. Yeah. I think so. I would say so. Because uh, me and Gibby kind of think the opposite half the time. <laughs> you want to take this one, Ryan? Um, I, he's the optimistic you know, one. I, I'm the pessimistic one. Yeah. So he should, he should um, answer this one. Okay. Um, I think there's like different moments in the labels catalog where we've noticed, I don't want to say like a spike, but like a bit, a bit of a jump. And it's with like certain artists or certain releases where we would have to change what we are doing. We're kind of going along with the releases. And then all of a sudden something like youth code happens or Drab majesty, or when we did ice age and cold cave, those were like really early on, like, Oh, Whoa, like are we getting a little too 
big for our comfort zone here. You know, it was really early on with those, but when we had like things like youth code and and stuff like that uh, kind of pop up and cold showers and King Dude and stuff, it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a little bit more than, you know, this like simple little hobby. We have like responsibilities. We have responsibilities to artists. We have financial responsibilities. Right. Like we have, we have all these things that we just can't walk away you know like a, a little hobby label you can just walk away from it you're like i ain't doing nothing this year you right know, who cares i was gonna do this i was gonna do some weird industrial thing that only five people care about you know it's no big priority you can get to it when you want uh me and gibby kind of just can't can't really take a day off from it i mean we do but it's just like we can't we have like, responsibilities to all these people and things and we have to kind of keep this thing moving along. And that's when we realize that when it's like, oh, this is kind of bigger than just me and Gibby's hobby. Um, it's something else like it, it, it exists somewhere else and other people connect into it and are dependent on that. And we're dependent on it as well. It became its own life. I think it was there's no one moment that that happened. It was a lot of small moments along the way that built up into this like you look back and you're like oh my god wow like what just happened yeah i think you learn lessons pretty quickly and an interest and uh, engagement with your with what you've created is a really is a really good way to learn lessons so be it through distribution or meeting the expectations of your artists or providing something for an artist or for a vendor that you didn't even know existed, like having to, you really having to like learn the language of what it means to run a label. And I think we learned some of those lessons early on, but I think we're learning every day. I, I think, I think for me, when, when I felt like we created something that resonated with people beyond the, the artist was when, was when someone got like a dais tattoo. And then when someone came to the PTV show in New York, which was really early on, and someone said, you guys are like my favorite label. I'm buying every record you put out. I was like, are you, holy We've shit. We've only though. put out five at that point. I know, <laughs> I know. And if, but it felt so good, you know? I was yeah. like, wow, we're actually yeah, doing something that matters to people. And I always said, and Ryan and I have always said that we only, our drive for, um, for doing the record label really, I mean, there's not much financial gains to get in doing sort of an obscure underground label, but it's a pure labor of love. But Ryan and I's drive was always just to create objects that we wanted to own. Back to that first conversation. Well, this person should put, you know, you guys should put this record out. Or wouldn't it be great if this would get reissued? All right, I'm going to go to bed. And instead, we're like, instead we put it out because we want it on our record shelf. And I think I have a record shelf filled with my own releases. It just blows my mind. Even for the, the new releases, are those more of a discovery, like bands that haven't been put out? We get sent a lot of music. We don't really entertain demos. I'd like to say that we listen to every demo that came through and we try to, but it's pretty difficult. Typically we listen to music that is introduced to us through friends or through other bands on our label. We have in the past, when we're going through our demos, which I try to do at least once a week, we have found some really great artists through our demos. But for the most part, it's like word of mouth. And then it's like 
for this is for new art, new acts, new artists, and emerging artists. I think our A and R really revolves around just like research and experience. Ryan and I go out to shows a lot and talk to people a lot and hear about things that are going on. And in terms of the rare and obscure stuff, I think Ryan and I are sort of um, archaeologists in that regard, and we we sort of have our eyes set on things that we feel deserve a, another round. Is that fair, Ryan? Did I answer that part yeah, correctly? Yeah, I, yeah, I said that's, I, that's right. I cover the know. bases. Yeah, that's, that's both, how I feel. Both, me, me and Gibby are both pretty avid record collectors is, you know, what, however nerdish that may sound, you know, but it's, we're really passionate about these kind of very, I don't, you know, I, I guess I'm only speaking for myself. I don't like something just because it's obscure and, you know, it's rare, or like it's an expensive record or whatever. You know, it's really got to, it's got to really turn my gears. And I mean, same thing with Gibby. I mean, we definitely have different tastes. We're two different people, but w the, the overlap is pretty wild. But also, like, we sort of, like, almost talk up releases to the other you know like so it's like we have to like pump up the other person to like and then we like get them on board and it, that's kind of like half of the the fun to to see if if it'll if it'll jive with the other one or not you know yeah and so you know with, with obscure stuff i mean there's you know with the reissues i mean it's you know dug up some really oddball things you know like the ragnar grippa sand reissue you know i kept having to tell explain it to gibby i'm like no trust me man like people are gonna be it's an amazing record but gibby's like yeah but are there gonna be like more than five people who know what this record is i'm like trust me i was like, so fucking blown away <laughs> I, I i mean i knew it was amazing i fell in love with it the first time i heard it and ryan had sent it to me ages ago i was familiar with the label not familiar with Ragnar Grippa's work before Ryan turned me on to it. But Shandar I knew of, and, it, and it, I just couldn't. I mean, the market for that record was just mind-boggling. And it really, I just, it was a, it was a hard-learned lesson, really, because it, it was also just thrilling be, to, to know that so many other people were passionate about it, you know? It was, yeah, uh, we, like, flew through them, and people are still this day are like, I more of those? Like, Where know, are they? Like, Where are the Ragnar yeah. Grippa's? But like in the same thing with like new artists, it was kind of on the flip side with, you know, like Drab Majesty, for example. I had no idea who Drab Majesty was because he was he's like an L.A. kind of character. And Gibby was seeing him at shows and, you know, a lot of the pretty much almost all the new artists we sign are like our friends. There's got to be some personal connection. There's really nothing out of the blue that we really sign really has to have a personal connection. we got to know someone or they know someone like a friend of a friend or it's gotta be something like that because it's just awkward when it's, when it's not. And, um, not really interested in that. You know, I really kind of curated a weird, like sort of family. So it's just like, like to kind of keep it that way. But with drab, it's like, I, you know, I had no idea who he was. I don't go to shows in LA. I have no idea. And Gibby kept being like, you have to see him live. You really, you, you're not going to understand this until you see this guy live. It's magical. It's going to blow you away. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know who this person is. And then sure enough, he's, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened like to us. Like he's, he's amazing. Like he's, he's brilliant. And it's, and it's yeah it's 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 unbelievable it's literally to see where you know where when we 
started working with them to like now it's it's yeah i, I kind of am speechless <laughs> um with what what's happened with him and um and his music and and what's happened with our label with him it's kind of been kind of wild and it was like well gibby had to like really like hit at home because he's on the ground in la so he had a he had to hype me up and he did and it worked <laughs> and, and i was like all right yeah let's do it I'm, I'm into it now you got me you got me stoked i have no clue who this guy is but let's go for it and you know and and it happened anything stand out like you talked about drab majesty and i know that the coom transmissions is near and dear to you but is there anything that you were surprised about surprised in what way like you said how you guys are on opposite coast so you'll give this to mm -hmm. the other person and then you get them and you're like wow this resonated with the other more than you thought you know youth code really kind of took me by surprise and and that was another one it was gibby's friends there but that was one where gibby was like hey i have these friends they've only played a couple like local shows called youth code you know they played in a, a record store recently and that was about it you got to check them out and the moment i heard the demo i was like oh i'm so into this i love it <laughs> you know and like that kind of that whole kind of whirlwind took me by surprise a little bit and I have this like kind of really fond amazing memory of like hearing Youth Code's first record for the very first time before anyone else had heard it and um, yeah it's just like a really sweet nice memory that I have and I kind of like replay that in my head whenever I'm like talking about youth code or reminded them i'm like oh man that first record like i remember like first hearing it and was just like yes <laughs> like this is it definitely is filled it. a filled a filled a space yeah so um, i guess that would be mine is something is something ryan sent me that i was like whoa is that the i said well i mean ragnar grip i think that you know, and Ryan, you know, he also turned me on to a bunch of obscure, uh, I guess at the time, sort of obscure New York stuff. Whip in the Body was an early one, and then um, Twin Stomps and uh, You, uh, YOU band, which just has fucking, I just the sleeper record of the century. That Sun Chaser record we put out is just such a killer record. Um, the David First stuff, I was familiar with his work, but that when Ryan worked with david to get the electronics work stuff out it's just my mind was blown it's really just a lot of overlap and conversation i think ryan and i both have really varied sort of with very different tastes um but when we come together it, it's what makes the complete label package <laughs> oh, what about you know what there's a, there's another one uh working with tor lundvall because gibby had this whole kind of special really deep-seated connection with like writing being like pen pals sort of with tour i'm glad you brought this up because i wanted to talk about tour later yeah yeah, yeah. go on oh, okay no but yeah when me and gibby when i was telling you when we would hang out in new york because long before we started the label gibby was always pumping me up to tour lundvall he's like you got to hear this guy he's this 
ambient composer, lives out in Long Island, doesn't talk to anyone. You know, he's <laughs> really reclusive, which he's he's not. He'll totally talk to you. It was all like hyped up in our head. And so I got really into him and I picked up, I think it was the, the last light record on Strange Fortune. And, you know, around the time I was like, oh, man, this guy like I, I Gibby started building up the myth of him in my head. And then I started building up my own myth. And then when we started the label. We were almost like, do we even dare approach Tor Lundvall about working with him? Oh, yeah. You know, this was like the first year we started and Gibby wrote him. And of course, they're, you know, the thing that we've hyped up in our head that he's going to like shun us or you know he's like oh i'd love to work with you guys that sounds great and it's been we've been working with him for like nine years now we've done yeah. three box sets a couple lps uh yeah three lps got a fourth one coming out a couple singles like you know it's and we talk to him all the time <laughs> and yeah. he's a really good friend um so yeah that was like another one that's like the long lasting one that's like Tor's kind of been around for the entire time, for the most part. We, he really we, has our seventh release, and we're putting a new record out by him in uh, February. Yeah, it's just like we constantly like put out. You know, <coughs> it's like we've always told Tor, like we'll put out your records for as long as we're in existence. You know, he's like the the guy from the beginning that we kind of gave that guarantee to, <laughs> and um, it's still going. What do you see you guys doing in the next 10 years? Um, uh, be outside of the label? All or of the label. <laughs> All of it. Oh, man. Space travel. Um, yeah. I want to ride that Elon Musk, like, underground drill or whatever Brain he's building. Plants. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, working, working more with all of the artists that we love, you know, more records from all the bands we mentioned and from, you know, upcoming stuff from body of light and from high functioning flash. And maybe we'll get Aaron to come out and do another record working with drew. I mean, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's too many, we work with too many amazing people. I, I, I feel like I'm going to leave somebody out, but we have some great stuff coming up that I'm excited about that. I, that I can't, we can't really talk about it because it's still in the works, but there's some great stuff coming up next year so that's one as for the other nine years i mean i i don't i mean i'll probably drink coffee i'll <laughs> um you know there is something coming up that's quite special that that is in the immediate future um well not the immediate but next year again kennedy from them or us too has reemerged as a, as an artist uh going under the name SRSQ, srsq and we're working with her to to bring some music out of her new band onto vinyl next year and that's really that's really exciting she you know when when we first heard them we were really really blown away and and exciting to hear really excited to hear which which she comes back with in her solo project you know given the tragedy of the oakland fire and losing cash and her previous band but i think in a nutshell just continuing to work with the artists that we love and and growing the label uh, we have some sort of cool announcements with related to our products availability overseas, which we'll be announcing in the months ahead. So, so growing and expanding and increasing our distribution. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we were like planning on making not, not that we weren't planning on making it 10 years, but like that was never like a goal. Like, Oh God, do this like, ten, you know, it was kind of like, we've just been like plowing along and plowing along and 
every year got busier and busier. And then this year was like, Hey, you know, this year it's going to be 10 years. <laughs> it was like, Oh, Whoa, I didn't even realize it. Like it flew by. So it's like the next 10 years are probably going to be, I'm not going to, I'm going to be like, I don't want to do this for another 10 years. And then all of a sudden it's the 20 year anniversary. It's just like, I, I know just, I just wasn't paying attention. Like, you know, it just was like too busy putting out records to like, yeah, focus on it and then it's like it just sneaks up on you so that's the secret of running a record label put out so much stuff that you don't have time to stop yeah that you don't that you literally lose track of time and space what advice do you have for others that may be looking into starting their own label do it today <laughs> don't 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 start tomorrow and and doing it today means sitting down without interruption and pulling out a pen and paper and writing down what you, what your ideal is and, and what you hope to achieve, do some research and figure out what steps are required to achieve that goal and do the first one before you go to bed. I would say like always it's lame to do this, but learn the business aspect of it because there's certain times where it's like, me and Gibby were like, oh, wow, yeah, we're doing this kind of, you know, thing now. And it's like, why weren't we doing this years ago? It's like we knew about <laughs> it. We just we just didn't do it. And it was kind of like almost like UPC well, you know, codes. What are these? Uh. <laughs> yeah. And it made made our life easier and then and better. And it made the label grow to do these things. And it was almost like we were stubborn about it at first, like no, it's got to be limited edition. It's got to be this and it's got to be that. And it's got to be. And then we're just like, why are we shooting ourselves in the foot? Learn the business aspect of it. I mean, you can do those things, but just do them in a really smart way that doesn't kind of harm you in the end. I think that's been a massive kind of a really valuable tool for both me and Gibby is kind of delving into the, the kind of economics of this and being practical about the way we operate things, especially because we're on two different coasts. You know, we really have to, we have a lot of weird situations that we run into that a lot of other labels don't have. And we have to be kind of more clever about it, but also mm. we have product in two different coasts. So it comes in handy at certain times. Um, so there's a plus and a minus to it. So it's just like kind of like learning those ins and outs of, of business things like really boring stuff, but you know, UPC code registration and sound scan and stuff, you know, stuff that's just like bores you to death, but it will really come in handy down the road. Is there anything lastly that you would like to tell anybody before we jump off? You got anything you want to tell anyone? It's Gibby's birthday in like an hour. Stop. Yeah. Well, happy birthday in an hour. <laughs> On the East Coast at least. Thanks. The big 4 0. Nice. Happy birthday. Oh, um, you're 77. Thanks. That's right. You're 77. I know. Um, I don't know. We just feel very lucky, you know. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us and to show interest in this thing we do. We, I don't know. We just feel very lucky to be able to do do what we love and give back to the scene that we love. And I don't know. That's it. We appreciate Thank what you. you do and for talking with us. And but yeah. Um, Thanks again, and you guys have a great night. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks so much. You too. All Thanks, right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.
went so far away, I had no words to say. You wrote me out of tune, then left me for the moon. It's such a simple tale, one that will never fail, to open wounds inside the soul that will be there till we're all old. I couldn't help the things we did, or even words we said. They came and went like flowers in the beauty of those hours. One day you may recall the beautiful flowers that could have grown so tall. But until then, I'll say a prayer and I will wait like empty air. It's a case of no one knows and she who comes always goes. Thank you, my new poem. In the middle months of May, when I could say anything I wanted to, I met a girl with hair of gold and her love was new. So I went out in the park when the night was very dark. And the people that I saw only made me want to squall.
of death were dead And age gave up aging Diseases struck themselves And dreams birthed ideas, birthed life If foe became friend And nature were king Humanity honoured animals War destroyed itself in battle Could we live forever? Harmonise with the earth, our mother Could we live forever? Love the earth, our home and mother
This has been an independent production of Sonosphere, produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams. Check us out at sonospherepodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.